and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today is part two in my three-part Finch Merlin Halloween special. Hooray, we're back and we're better than ever and this episode's even better than the first one. So thank you for coming back and joining us. If you didn't listen to that first part, you might be a bit confused. If you did, hooray, thanks for sticking with me and coming back. So what this is, is I'm talking about the Finch Merlin books, and this episode is going to be on books 12, 13, and 14, so the middle three books of the series. And a very brief summary of what happened last time. So let me just issue this spoiler warning right now. I'm going to spoil all these books. If you don't want them to be spoiled, go read them and then come back and listen to this episode. But very briefly, what happened in the first two Finch is a servant of Erebus. He was sent to find the Fountain of Youth. Erebus drank out of it, got a body. Finch was sent to learn how to make maps. He made a map to Atlantis, and he doesn't know why, and Davin stole, and now he has to make it again. So, without further ado, we're going to get into it, but first, I must also issue a trigger warning that for the first book that I'm going to be talking about in this episode. There is an instance of attempted suicide, And I just want to issue this warning for anybody that could be triggering for, because I will touch on it in the plot summary. I don't think I'll be, I don't think I touched on it in the discussion section for that book, though. So, thank you for being here. Let's get into it. Okay, moving on to book 12, Finch Merlin and the Jinn's Curse. So, if you listen to the Harley Merlin series, you remember me saying that Raffi was a jinn, i.e. a genie. However, there's a D in front of that, spelled D-J-I-N-N. So I kept saying the jinn. Well, yeah, it's just jinn. I learned that today because I actually took the time to Google it. So, you know, I read this entire book being like, oh, the digins are doing this. Bro, if I had literally just taken two seconds out of my life, I would have known that it was just jinn and it's a silent D. So, um, there we go, correcting past mistakes and all of that. But okay, so this is the next book. So in the last book, we leave off. Well, I guess you would have just... I don't know where this... Anyways, so in the last book, uh, Finch, uh, the map gets stolen. And now this book picks up with him being in the Winchester house, which is Melody's house. And it is enchanted. So anybody who was shot and killed by a Winchester rifle can live as a ghost in this house. So Finch is busy redrawing the map to Atlantis. Once Finch refinishes, refinishes, once Finch finishes redrawing the map, he gives it to Erebus, who is basically like, all right, I, now I'm going to need you to find the key to get into Atlantis, but I need to track it down first. So you've got a couple days off. So he's like, okay, cool. And in the meantime, he's like, I need to figure out how to break my servitude because I don't want to be a servant of Erebus anymore. So Finch is going back to the San Diego coven. He's going to go see his sister and his friends and whatever. So he goes back there and he ends up telling Harley the bare minimum basics of what's going on because she's been freaking out about him, whatever. And he's also going back because there's supposedly this book on gins because he finds out from Melody, who's the librarian, remember, that uh, they gins and Erebus have some sort of connection and they're also kind of servants. So He's going back to get this book and see everybody. So Harley's like, you need to come to dinner with us, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, fine. So he goes and he gets the book. He goes to dinner. Harley and Wade announce that they are engaged. Oh my God. I'll be returning to that later. And then Raffi's doing like really bad. 
And he ends up like, Kadar is the jinn inside of him. They share the same body or whatever. So Kadar ends up taking control and like running out. And so basically Kadar jumps off the top of the building of the restaurant, but Finch uses his telekinesis to get him back because all the jinns are suffering because Erebus has taken human form. And because of that, they all are like in really horrible pain. So Kadar was trying to make it stop. Santana is obviously very upset. If you remember, Santana and Rafi are dating. So basically, Finch like tells them he wants to talk to Kadar about like gin knowledge about Erebus and servitude and blah, blah, blah. But Rafi's like in this like medical induced coma because, you know, he just had a traumatic event, whatever. So then he ends up telling them what's going on and they decide that they're going to form two groups because Erebus is like, I found out where the key is. So Finch is going to go get the key which turns out is this guy Nash's blood because he is a descendant of like people from Atlantis and Santana and Rafi are going to go see the storyteller who's the oldest djinn in the world and they're hoping she has some sort of answer of how they can get better and also they're going to ask her about Finch's servitude. So they break off Santana and Rafi, uh, their relationship's having some trouble because Rafi is basically like the curse on his family is that all like Levi's will be born like with a gin inside of them but that almost like it will most likely kill the woman who has these children so he loves Santana and Santana wants a family so he's like I don't know anyways they go there they meet the storyteller and then all the gin end up having a rebellion I'm giving you the really condensed version trust me and then they have a rebellion against Erebus and they stop being servants but the cur- the Levi curse cannot be undone and Santana and Rafi and Kadar have a heart-to-heart they're like, we'll just adopt. I love you too much. Yeah. Finch, meanwhile, goes to see Nash and Erebus is like, don't mention me. Oh, also Santana and Rafi find out that all servants of Erebus die at the end of their servitude. They're never like released to be free. And um, the only one who didn't is Davin, who made a deal with the djinn to get that resurrection pendant thing I talked about before. So great. Here he goes again. And then meanwhile, you have Finch. Trying to convince Nash, Luke and Melody end up showing up and they tell um, Nash that Finch is actually Wade and that they need it to break the, they need his blood to break Raffi's curse. So they're doing that, whatever. They're trying to convince him. Davin shows up. They have a fight. They bring him back to Melody's place. Davin ends up like, they get the blood. He agrees to do it. Even though he's like, basically, the reason why is he put a curse on himself so nobody could get his blood because they're trying to kill him for it. But they convince him to undo it. Then Davin hacks the sound speaker and like reveals that Finch is who he is and they want the blood for Erebus. But Nash agree. They have a fight. But then Nash is like, you know what? Like, I'm you should just told me I'm going to help you. I hate Davin. I hate Erebus. We're actually on the same side. And then Finch gives Erebus the blood that's kind of the end of the book. But Erebus is now doing poorly because the jinn have rebelled against him and his human body has limitations. I also forgot that Lux, who is one of the other children of chaos and basically Erebus's wife, has been intervening and meeting with Finch and that is likely to get Finch killed. And Finch learns that he's probably going to die. So that's the plot summary of this book. I meant to make it at least a minute shorter, but I did not. So let's talk about a couple things. First, Let's talk about this Rafi Kadar Santana relationship. So basically, it's like a, a thruple. Is that a word? A three person couple, except only two bodies. 
Because basically what ends up happening in this book is Santana basically says, like, I love both Rafi and Kadar. You can't love one without the other. Like, they're both there and I want both of them. Because there's a point where they thought maybe the curse could be lifted and they would separate bodies and whatever. But Rafi and Kadar are both like, you know, we don't actually want to be separate from each other. We understand each other and we're like low-key friends. And Santana's like, I love both of you. And they both love her. So whatever. And this is like a weird, like, I don't want to say it's a trope because I've only seen it a couple other times, but it reminds me of two different things. One thing it reminds me of is werewolf, like, novels where the, so if you ever read a werewolf novel, there's like kind of two ways they go where the wolf is just like a spirit and it doesn't like do anything or the wolf is like a completely other, not person, but like thing inside of them and they talk to each other in their heads and like can take over each other's bodies and so then the relationship with like the main girl and the guy who's a werewolf is like she's got both the wolf and the man like as two separate beings and they're both in love with her so that kind of reminds me that and I read another book where it was like this guy had like was he a demon maybe a demon living inside of him so there was like both of them I think he was a demon I don't know so, this feels like kind of a trope in, um, I want to say, like, sup- oh, supernatural, that's the word I'm looking for, in supernatural novels, where it's, like, the main girl and then the guy has, like, two beings inside of him and they're both in love with her, but she loves both of them. And it's such a weird thing. It's, like, I mean, I've explained it, but it's hard to, like, wrap your head around in a way. And so, that's just the their relationship and we're just gonna go for it and go with it but I don't know it's kind of weird but you're also like yeah but she has to love both of them because they're both there I don't know I do not know also speaking of relationships let's let's chat about Wade and Harley if you remember in Finch's first book they've like moved in together and Finch and I say how much I love them but then from reading from Finch's point of view you're like ew they're living together because he's the brother you know but like oh my god so I low-key thought Harley was going to be pregnant when they were like, we have something to say. Because if you remember, Harley agreed in, I think, the fifth book to give um, the rights of naming her firstborn child to, at the time, in Chinida, in Chinida, I don't know how to say that, the mother of monsters or whatever. And then she gets killed later on. And then her son, Leviathan, I think. Yeah, Leviathan now has the rights. And basically in this book, Harley ends up seeing him and he's like, don't keep me waiting too long to name your child. So then I thought, yo, maybe Harley and Wade are going to announce that she's pregnant. But actually, they're just engaged. And I have to wonder, one thing I was really wondering as I read this book is like how old everybody was. Because in the first Harley Merlin book, the only age we get is that Harley is 19 and Finch is old enough to drink. So he's at least 21 now. But it's just like, how old is everybody else in this? And like, I know a, gle- a year has passed since the last Harley Merlin book, but how much time passed within the Harley Merlin books? Like, is Harley 20? Is she 21 now? Like, I don't know. But I am happy for her and Wade. You guys know I loved them. I love their relationship. If you listen to those Harley Merlin episodes and now they're engaged. Oh my God. Also, the next book's got the point of view of Rianne, so can't wait to see what this Finch-Rianne sort of thing happens. We all know they get together at the end, but... And then one other thing I want to briefly mention is Finch's medicine. If you remember, like, 
when I talked about the first Finch Merlin book, I was talking about his like gremlins, which is basically in this book, he's got a delusional disorder and it's like actually very much referenced and seen where like he will see things that aren't there and like normally they're things that are trying to kill him and whatever. And so like he mentions the mind gremlins in the first book and I talked about my feelings about calling them gremlins. But in this book, he's been taking medicine and it no longer, it stops working at the beginning of this book. He's taking so much of it and it's not working. So I'm not sure what that's about. I thought at first that maybe there was a connection to like him being a servant of Erebus and because all the jinns were going through like excruciating pain and like other bad things were happening to them. I thought maybe that's why it was happening to Finch, but Finch never made that connection, which makes me think that's not why that happened. I'm not really sure. And so Nash ends up like showing him a different like thing he can brew to like help with uh, stop the delusions from occurring and whatever. So I don't know, guys, I just wanted to mention that because that was an interesting point of this book or plot point is just that Finch is like dealing with his mental illness again. So I'm going to stop there because I've been talking for a while and we still got a lot more books to go. All right. And we are now moving on to book number 13, Finch Merlin and the Locked Gateway. Now, let's just get something out of the way. Normally, I record these in my closet. However, today, my laptop is not charged because I'm dumb and left it uncharged. So I'm actually just recording in my bedroom. I'm hoping that it, the audio is okay. I'm gonna check it after this little intro. And I'll be recording this one and then the next book as well, all at the same time, just going straight into it, unlike these other ones. So if the audio for these next two sections is bad, I apologize, but I'm not going to do it again. Okay, it seems good enough to me. Hopefully it seems really good to you because I would hate for you to log out of this because you don't like how it sounds audio-wise. Not what I'm saying. Anyways, okay. So in this book, I read almost a month ago. Let's see what the heck happens. Okay, so basically this book was a lot of filler and it is told from Finch's point of view, obviously, but... We also get Rianne, which is super exciting that we're seeing kind of what's going on with her. So basically what they're trying to do in this book is find the locked gateway and then because now they have the key, remember they have Nash's blood. So they're able to unlock the key and get to Atlantis and Erebus finally is useful and tells them that the way to get to Atlantis is they have to find Eris Island, which if you remember from the first series was... Catherine, the evil lady, had this island that in the sixth book, Finch and Harley went to and infiltrated. And basically, this island moves around, so they have to find it. And to do that, they need to, like, interview a cult member who um, is Emily Ryder from the second Harley Merlin book, who is now completely um, not evil anymore. She has repented and is willing to live the rest of her life in jail because she's realized she's bad. So anyways, they're able to find out where the island is from there and then they show up it's like somewhere on the east coast they show up they get in a huge fight with um the cult members that have escaped and are still there and then they beat them but then davin shows up and um davin almost beats them but then they kill him and they set you know how he resurrects himself and this is kind of gruesome but they cut off all his body parts and like flush them all and put them in all these different places to make it harder for him to resurrect himself, I guess. And then they go to the island, but Davin follows them there again, unfortunately. But 
before we get to kind of what's going on on the island, because there's some important plot stuff there, let's talk about Rianne's point of view. So Rianne still has this boyfriend, Adam, but everybody knows, except for her maybe, that Finch is in love with her. You know what I mean? So in this book, you kind of are you're in Rianne's head. And so you're getting a little bit of the Rianne's conflicted stuff. But then Rianne's boyfriend is like, bro, we should move in together since we can never. He's like a doctor or something, which I do have some questions about how old he's supposed to be and how old she is supposed to be. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of unclear. I thought she was Harley's age, but the way that they were talking about their relationship, I was like, are you actually five years older? Unsure. Anyways, they basically have been not getting along as well because Rianne's had to hide all this stuff about the magical part of her life, even though she's a human, which there was this whole subplot in Rianne's point of view about how she feels very inferior and like wishes she had magic, basically. Anyway, so one day Adam like calls her and is like, it's an emergency. So she like leaves and she's supposed to be helping Finch with something. And she shows up and Adam's like, surprise, I actually just lied and said it was an emergency because otherwise I knew you wouldn't come. But uh, look at this apartment. We should move in together and live here. And like, let's make the down payment right now. And Rianne's like trying to let him down easy. But then all of a sudden... I think Davin shows up there. I don't know. Either Davin or some other cult member shows up there and, like, is attacking them and almost kills them. And then Lux, who, if you remember, is um, another child of chaos and is Erebus's wife, shows up and she, like, protects them. But then, uh, you know, Adam has been, sees magic. And he's like, oh, my God, Rian, we have to go to the police. We have to tell them everything that's going on. These people can't just be unregulated, blah, blah, blah. And Rianne's trying to explain that there are magical police and like whatever. But Adam is like, absolutely not. We're going to, I don't understand why you aren't saying we're going to go to the police. I don't even know you. So then um, Rianne breaks up with him and has Lux wipe his mind in favor, in exchange for a favor. So that brings us back to the island. They're on the island and Finch finally finds out that Rianne and Adam broke up before they got on this island. And they're like about to kiss. And then Lux shows up and she's like, guess what, Rianne? Your favor to me is that I get to go inside your body and hang out so I can spy on my unfaithful husband, Erebus. And we're like, bro, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, I am. And then Davin shows up, like I said, and they do their little ritual. And the island sinks and it goes underwater and brings them to Atlantis. They show up at Atlantis, the, there's Atlantean people there with, I don't know, spears or whatever, weapons, and they arrest them. And then Erebus drops the bomb that the entire reason he wanted to go to Atlantis is to marry the princess of Atlantis. And that's where that book ends. I'll pick up with that when I talk about the next book. So, but before we get there, let's just talk about a few interesting and important plot points that I thought were interesting. Well, I don't even know. The discussion section, people. Let's just move on to the discussion section. First, we have got to talk about this Rianne Finch-Adam situation. Am I happy Rianne finally broke up with Adam? Yes, because now we don't have to see Finch being just like a pining guy from afar, being all sappy, emotional, a simp, whatever, if you will. I'm sorry, I haven't recorded in like so long and it's making me laugh. And so it was also interesting to be in Rianne's head and see that she does kind of reciprocate Finch's feelings. And like, so they're going to get together. But honestly, I can't remember if they kissed or not. 
I don't think they did. So they haven't kissed yet and they're not like official. And Rian did just break up with Adam and they did date for like over a year. So she might, you know, need a little bit of space recovery. What not. But I'm just glad we're done with this like, will they, won't they thing when we know obviously that they will. The other thing I was interested in about being in Rian's head again was her whole thing about being low-key salty about not having magic and being like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, remember when we were in Astrid's head who, by the way, I hated her point of view. If you guys have either listened to the Harley Merlin series I did or my worst, my like end of the year wrap up podcast that I did, um, Yun Lo, that I hated her point of view, but she did not feel that way. And so I don't know, but that was interesting. Also, let's just talk about the fact that the reason Erebus made Finch do all these things or all these books is for marriage, for love. What? The entire time, I thought he was like going to Atlantis to like be, I don't know why I thought he was going to want riches. He's like not a person. Well, he is a person now. And that's part of the reason why he needed to become one, which I'll explain in the next book. But like, I just was shocked. I thought he was going to get some big magical thing or I don't know. I didn't really expect people to be there except for the fact that I knew people would be there because I had all the Finch Merlin books before I started reading them so I could like look and see them. But I don't know. The fact that this was all for marriage is and love is just kind of crazy to me. The other thing is that, like I said, this book was mostly filler. Like this book was hmm, maybe like 380 pages long. It did not really need to be that long. We could have just had the scene with Adam, like, and Rianne breaking up, them, like, showing up in Atlantis, and just kind of rolled that all into the, like, the breaking up part, rolled that into the previous book, and the showing up in Atlantis thing rolled into the next book, because nothing really happened in this one. And I think it's funny, because I feel that way about a lot of these books, where it's, like, they're, almost all of them are, like, 380 or so pages, but, like, how much is really happening? Like, do we, does it really need to be that long? But I'm really enjoying them. And at this point in the series of the Harley Merlin series is when I started to be like, oh, I feel that like invest in the characters. So I'm going to keep reading all these books, but like, I don't know, whatever. But here I'm still very invested in the storyline. And I think part of the difference is that the Harley Merlin books were very much like, one book per trial after you get past the second one which just got to be very repetitive because you knew they were gonna lose all of them so it's like okay whatever but here it's a little bit more different especially because we have no idea until this point like why finch is doing all of these things so it's been kind of interesting but i would say the highlight of this one was that at least harley knows everything now i didn't mention this but like during this book finch finally sits harley down and like tells her everything that's going on so she is working along with the original Muppet Babies as Finch calls them i.e. all the main characters from the first series minus Finch obviously working with them to find a way to get Finch out of his servitude to Erebus that does not end in his death so they're being useful but they're also not really around and they're definitely not around in the next book which is Finch Merlin and the Forgotten Kingdom I don't remember what book number it is. 14, I think. We're going to say 14. And so this is the next one. Like I said, the previous book ends with them showing up in Atlantis. 
This book picks up with them in jail, and you find out that Erebus was kicked out of Atlantis. So every 50 years, there's a suitor race for either the princess or the prince, like the crown princess or prince of Atlantis. Right now, there's just a princess. Her name is Kaya. And 50 years ago, Erebus showed up. Oh, another another thing I want to talk about. Mm, this Greek mythology thing. Let me just jot that down right quick. Okay. So 50 years ago, Erebus shows up, inhabits the body of Bellaphoron or something like that, and courts Kaya. She ends up picking him, but Lux is very upset about this whole thing, and she shows up and she reveals that Erebus is actually not Bellaphoron or whatever this guy's name is, and gets herself and Erebus both kicked out of Atlantis, so Children of Chaos are banned from being there. So the whole reason that Finch had to find the Fountain of Youth and get Erebus a human body is so that Erebus can come back to Atlantis and court her again. Why does he want to marry her? Because he wants a child. Apparently, only Kaya can give him a child. So back in the day, back in the ancient Greek day, he used to, you know, sleep with mortals, and the demigods were like his children. And I guess he was Zeus, question mark, whatever. But um, they all died. Uh, painful deaths. They were not successful beings. I don't really know. And so he and Lux can't give him any children, which is something she's very salty. No, she's very upset about. She's very sad about it. So Erebus is convinced that Kaya can give him a child because she is from the Primus Angelicus bloodline, i.e. like the oldest magical, one of the oldest magical bloodlines. So she's a lot more powerful. So she should be able to actually have his child, I guess. And he also fell in love with her 50 years ago for real, not just like fake. So that's why he wants to marry her. Davin wants to marry her because Erebus told him about it back when they he was his servant. I don't know if I mentioned that he used to be a servant. Can't really remember, but he was. And so now he's there, I guess, just to rub it in Erebus's face. Finch and the gang are just like in this book for the most part, just Jay chilling, trying to learn things about Atlantis and Erebus and like why they're there. But they also can't escape. And they'd really love to escape and go back home and just be done with all of this. And they can't contact anybody because, you know, they're in the middle of the ocean. And so the pseudo race is going on. There's like some other Atlantean people who are in the race. And then also during this time is the Queen's Death Day. So in Atlantis, everybody gets to live for 500 years. And then after 500 years, you take a magical potion and you die. And so they have a big celebration for the Queen's Death Day. And then she dies. So that's like a weird thing that they're trying to figure out. And the king, so you remember that Davin is a necromancer. So the king is all about Kaya picking Davin as her like husband because he thinks that um, he'll Davin will resurrect him and he can live for another 500 years. Everybody else thinks that's sus. I'll get back to it. It is sus. And Kaya is obviously like still in love with Erebus. The second point of view in this book is actually Melody. And her whole like side plot is that you know, Luke and Melody are obviously in love, but the librarian's not really supposed to be dating anybody or like be in a relationship with anybody, but she's like, but I kind of like him. And the past librarians, half of them are, apparently she can communicate with them. Half of them are like, yeah, go for it. And the other half are like, no, no, you got to follow the rules. So her whole storyline is her trying to figure out if she's going to date him or not. Spoiler alert, at the end, she kisses him. So now maybe they're together. Unsure. I haven't read the next book yet. But that's what's going on with her thing. And then Finch is like trying to figure out how to get Lux out of Rianne and whatever, blah, blah, blah. 
Then the pseudo race is going on, and we find out that Atlantis is having power issues. Their um, bestiary keeps failing, so that's concerning. They keep having to shrink the bubble of Atlantis, like the, in- the, the air bubble or whatever. So they have issues going on. And then Apollo, one of the suitors, is framed. I'm saying he's framed. They're saying he did it. We'll find out in the next book as of trying to kill the princess. So he's taken out of the race and thrown in jail. And everybody's like, this is suspicious. He probably didn't do it. And the king is like, it's too embarrassing for my daughter not to have a ton of suitors. So Finch, you have to be a suitor now. And Finch is like, whoa, hold up. I'm obviously in love with somebody else. I don't want to do this. And the king is like, you can either do it or you can be in prison forever and die. So he's like, what the heck? And then Erebus and Davin are trying to kill Finch for being like, you can't be a suitor. You can't marry her, blah, blah, blah. And Finch is like, but I don't even want to. Just release me from my contract and send me and my friends home. And Erebus and Davin are like, no, we're going to kill you. And I'm like, I roll. And then all of a sudden Lux comes out of Rianne, but like in a suspicious way so that Erebus doesn't know that Lux is inside Rianne. And is like, ha ha ha, I've been here the whole time, my cheating, philandering husband. And I'm going to, so you think that Lux is going to like save Finch, right? No, Lux is like, I'm going to force Finch to be a suitor and Kaya's going to marry Finch and my revenge is going to be seeing you not get what you want and instead your servant gets him. And if you touch a hair on Finch's head, I'll obliterate, obliterate, obliterate. I don't know, smite him, smote him, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Completely destroy him. And then Kaya brings Finch to her room and dis- to discuss it. And Finch again is like, no, I don't want to do this. And Kaya's like, too bad. And by the way, you're the one I'm going to pick because you're from the Merlin bloodline. So you have the most oldest prestigious blood ever. And you're going to help like Atlantis usher in a new age and be more prosperous and save us and whatever. And Finch is like, but I don't want to. And that's the book. Let me tell you something. The ending in this book was just chef's kiss perfection. I literally almost cried at the point like where Erebus and Davin are like gonna kill Finch and the king and Kaya are both like you have to be a suitor. So heart-wrenching because you just know that Finch is so tired and there's this point that I didn't really explain but like there's a point where Finch just kind of gives up and he's just kind of like whatever like just kill me like there's no winning and then all his friends are like no finch we're gonna protect you like we'll fight erebus and davin and whatever and like that was touching and so if you listen to the harley merlin episodes then you'll know my favorite scene was from the seventh book when um wade is possessed or under a curse or whatever and he tries to kill harley and harley's just like curled up in finch's like side like sobbing because the man that she loves is like trying to murder her basically and has been like under this curse and that scene like i'll never get over how good that scene was like how i'm describing it it doesn't sound that good just like how i described the like fight scene wasn't that good but if you read it oh my god i literally can't tell you like the bella forest who writes all of these books has like hundreds of books published but they're all self-published so she doesn't have like I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but she doesn't have a... I know she doesn't have a publishing company. And so, like, she probably doesn't have, like, a big, like, editor or editing team or anything like that. That's not to say somebody else doesn't look over them. But, like, because of that, like, most of those stuff in these books are pretty 
average i'm not saying that there's like spelling mistakes or anything like that but like plot wise you know whatever but like these two scenes really stick out in my mind as some of her best writing like so heart-wrenching so upsetting but i also love it so much because it's so good i feel like i've talked enough about how iconic i think that scene is and how sad but so we can move on but like oh my god i can't even let's see let's see what else um like i said the dad is sus apollo was innocent and the dad like doesn't even care that the mom has like died like the queen and the king so it's like the king he doesn't even care that his queen has died and also in atlantis we learn that all marriages are supposedly happy because you have to drink a love potion so that's suspicious kaya's like you and i will just drink the love potion but it clearly doesn't work if the dad does not care about that the mom's died at all and is more concerned about himself being resurrected you know who else sucks lux in the other books you think maybe she's a good child of chaos maybe she'll actually help finch no she's doomed finch to death basically and only cares about her own self and hurting erebus but like also why is she not actually doing anything she keeps saying she's gonna like stick him in the middle of the ground forever imprison him whatnot yada yada nothing she's just sitting inside rianne doing nothing um melody breaking the rules good for her i was tired of the will they won't they thing with luke and melody as well and like what's the worst thing that's gonna happen i mean maybe death but like i just don't understand why the library isn't allowed to be in love that's jank and dumb and then finally the thing i jotted down the greek mythology thing like all of the people in atlantis minus like the king and the princess like all of the suitors have greek mythology names like one of them was apollo there was like I don't remember the other ones that were either other famous demigods or like gods and goddesses and stuff like that from Greek mythology and I'm just like bro why is it like here's the thing I'm obsessed with Greek mythology I love it that's the Percy Jackson fan stan whatever inside of me coming out like I just love it but like that Percy Jackson is about like them being real and like whatever this is just like the books like the books start and then all of a sudden the further and further in you get like the more that greek mythology is just real like apparently erebus is like zeus i don't know i'm just like not a fan of it and i talked about that in the harley merlin as well but like bro i feel like let's just come up with your own thing like you've thought up this crazy cool magical system that's like different from other ones and stuff like that why are we depending on greek mythology names and myths like just come up with some fake ones yourself like you already came up with the children of chaos thing i don't know so that's it for this one now saturday this saturday october 30th is going to be when i release the third part of this series you don't want to miss it there is plot twist after plot twist in these last three books Mm. i can't wait to tell you all about them i know you are just going to love that episode so tune in on october 30th and you can hear all about my thoughts opinions and what goes on in those last three books so please follow me on instagram at i read a book once blog you can dm me your thoughts opinions feelings questions about this episode or my podcast in general and give me a follow while you're there you could also email me at i read book once blog at gmail.com and tell me your thoughts opinions feelings questions etc that way um also please please rate review and subscribe to my podcast it would mean so much to me and it would help other people find it and finally this is i read a book once my name is emma 
and I'll catch you guys on Saturday for the final installment in my three-part French Merlin Halloween series. <laughs>